Welcome to the Bold Money Revolution podcast. This is your source for straight-talking, no-fluff, business and high-performance conversations that add real depth and value to the way bold leaders live, work, and thrive. I'm your host, Tara Newman. I'm here to show you how to optimize your performance as a leader so that you can grow a business that is profit-rich, efficient, and allows you to generate real tangible wealth for yourself and others. We are here to help you lead with your values, to perform without overwhelm and burnout, and to do your most important work in the world. Hey, hey, bold leaders. Welcome to the Bold Money Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Tara Newman. And today we are wrapping up a little mini series that we've had going on around coaching and trying to help you ascertain whether or not you're a good fit for coaching, if now is the right time for you to make this investment, should you be allocating dollars to this in your budget, maybe you've been burned before and are hesitant to engage in something like this. And the reason why I started this podcast series was because I walked into a local networking event and someone said to me, what can I call you? Because I know everybody in this room needs you, but we've had coaches here in this group in the past and she kind of made like that like woozy, sketchy emoji face. Like if this was a video, I'd be able to show you. But like basically alluding to the fact that that coach really uh, didn't represent the industry well and maybe even had done some harm in the group. And I've been in other local networking groups. And here's why this has really stood out to me is because I've been getting this online for years. Like people would ask me like, why do you call yourself a coach? And I'm like, well, I've been doing this since 1999 and I don't really know what else to call myself. So, cause this is what I do. Right. But now I'm starting to see it in local groups uh, where they're like, I don't understand why everybody in this group calls themselves a coach, right? And there's definitely nuance that's missing. So that's what's really inspired me to do this series. There are a ton of internet marketers masquerading as coaches, or you know, someone has had an experience that was life-changing, and now they call themselves a coach because they think they can coach people through these other life-changing situations, or maybe they have a bachelor's degree in psychology and they think now that they have a bachelor's degree in psychology, they have some kind of claim here in a space or they've worked for an MLM and the MLM has called them a coach. So in a world where everyone thinks they're a coach, we've created a ton of confusion and commoditization in the industry. And that is becoming confusing for people who might want to benefit from coaching, but it's also awful for coaches like me who have been practicing in this field for a really long time. And I'm tired of seeing harm done to consumers. And I don't think that coaching is right for everyone. And it's not always the best way to get the results that you want. So that's what this series has been about. And today I'm going to be sharing more about my coaching philosophy, and I hope to do it in a way that provides some additional insight on what coaching is, what it isn't, why you might not want to consider yourself a coach. By the way, I highly suggest most people don't consider themselves a coach for the very reasons that I am sharing here today. Maybe there is a better title for yourself or a a better avenue for you to take. 
So as someone who started in executive leadership coaching, and I have a strong background in performance coaching, I'll be the first to tell you that coaching alone is a terrible way for business owners to get results. And I really stand by that. And I've seen this play out in my own work over and over and over again. It's something that I've learned to through a lot of frustration as I've evolved my own skills as a coach over the last 10 years. I primarily work with small business owners And the most effective way to work with this group of people is to have what I call and implement a blended coaching model or philosophy. So that is my philosophy, that I need to be blending other mechanisms of helping people get results that go beyond simply just coaching. And so let me explain, because I know that for most people, that just didn't make any level of sense. Okay, so I use the following concepts or skills in my work. So one, yes, I use coaching. And that is, uh, coaching is where we give our clients agency and autonomy and facilitate growth through asking questions, provoking insights, and holding people accountable to action. This is where my clients learn from self-discovery. This is not advice. I am not telling anybody what to do when I have my coaching hat on. Annoyingly so, I am not telling people what to do, all right? And when it comes to small business owners, there is a time and a place for coaching, but there is also a time and a place for consulting. And so I also, in my blended model, do some consulting, and that is where I do something for the client. And let me give you an example. This is when my clients use my resources, like my calculators that have been done for them, where they can take this calculator, plug numbers in, and get the answer or the outcome that they're looking to get. This is where I have created uh, standard operating procedures that I share or templates that I share. Or maybe this is where I you know, have a workbook or a, or like a training would technically be teaching. And I'm going to talk about that, but like something that they're going to take and they're going to use inside their business that they don't have to create for themselves. It's done for them. All right. Because the problem with coaching alone is that business owners often don't know what they don't know. And it's not something that's going to be found within them. Their values are going to be found through self-discovery and within themselves. Their mission, their vision, their skills, how they transfer to small business ownership, that is going to be found through coaching and through self-discovery and from within themselves. But process and systems and strategy... Not so much, but when we look at, okay, here are some viable strategies, which one feels best to you, now we're dipping back into the coaching realm, right? What business model feels in alignment with the way you want to show up, with the way you want to work, with your values, with your vision, with the lifestyle you want to create? That takes some coaching, but creating that from scratch is frustrating for the client and not a good use of time. So that's where the consulting comes in. 
I also use mentorship and mentorship is where I share my experience. And a lot of this podcast is me sharing my experience. It is about mentorship, but mentorship is like where I share my experience and what has worked for me. And then somebody can learn from my experience, which is most likely not directly relevant, but there are things there that they can take and they can adapt to their own current experience. So how have you handled this client experience in the past, right? And I will give my perspective on how I've handled that in the past, why I've handled that, how it worked out for me in the long run. And now looking back on reflection, do I think that that was the best path for me to take? Yes or no? And that's how I would share. And that is mentorship, right? And then there's teaching and training. And this is for skill development and more importantly, skill transfer, This is where we explain concepts and practice concepts and hold people accountable to really building the skills that are required for small business ownership. So all of those things, coaching, consulting, mentorship, and teaching training, are what I consider inside my blended model. And with my expertise and with my 30 years of experience, I decide in any given moment when someone needs coaching, consulting, mentorship, and or training. So the problem with coaching small business owners is, again, they don't know what they don't know. And I've heard so many times where somebody has come to me and they're like, I just need information. And when I ask my coach, they ask me questions and I don't have the answer to this. And there's not enough questions that they can ask me where I would have the answer to this. And depending on what the area or the focus area is, that is absolutely true. Things like strategy, things like business model, maybe even various tactics. Those things need consulting and mentorship and teaching and training, right? But when it comes to like, okay, so you have wanted to use this specific tactic, let's call it TikTok, but you're having a lot of resistance and there's obstacles in the way of you using TikTok in the way that you want to use it, what's up? What's happening? You said you want this. Your behavior is this. What's up? That's coaching, right? So it does blend together. It is not binary. It is likely all of these things when I'm working with business clients on business coaching, Right? Executive coaching, leadership coaching, that is way more coaching. I don't use any real consulting in that capacity unless I'm maybe reviewing a document or something or a situation and that they have and I'm reflecting on it. And again, at that point, it's probably more mentorship and also teaching and training. So I have a lot of frameworks that I use when I work with clients And that is a mechanism to teach and train from and help develop them as leaders, help develop them as business owners so they can go take that and execute on it in a way that isn't rigid or dogmatic, but flexible to incorporate things like their values and their mission and their goals. So coaching can often be detrimental when you have someone who feels like they're spinning 
or flailing about because asking them more questions and sending them back into this internal state of spinning is actually not going to get them to where they want to go. So as a coach, it's important to me that I can practice non-attachment to my client's outcome, that I can stay in that neutral observer, question asker place. When I'm a mentor, it's important to me to show up embodying the competence for successful ownership and model what it takes to be sustainable. As a consultant, it's important to me that I help my clients navigate the learning curve and the burdensome workload by doing certain things for them. I want to try and take as much off of their plate so they can focus on the coaching and the self-discovery and the personal performance aspect, which is genuinely two-thirds of the game. So if I'm operating from my philosophy, my coaching philosophy correctly, and I'm correctly mentoring and consulting and teaching and training, that actually frees up our time together to actually do the coaching, which in my opinion really is two-thirds of the work. And so I can give you an example of this through, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you'll notice my framework. It's called EMS, Energy, Mindset, and Strategy, in that order that we take care of our energy, then we take care of our mindset, and then not until our energy and our mindset is clear, then we take strategic action right? But most business owners fixate on the strategic action and the steps and the tactics and the plan, and they completely dismiss the energy and the mindset pieces. So this frees me up if I can help do the consulting on the strategy piece and not put a lot of guesswork there for them and not continue their flailing and spinning, but be concrete That allows me to engage them on the energy and the mindset piece, which is going to be what makes the strategic piece successful. So I hope that that made sense in clarifying even just the difference between those items, like the difference between a coach and a consultant, the difference between a mentor and maybe a teacher or a trainer. And I want to wrap this episode up with some red flags to consider when you are looking to hire a coach. So coaches who don't do any professional development make me really angry because what you're doing is you're asking people to invest in you and to do their own, to do their professional and personal development, but you're not investing in yourself, right? And There's one thing about investing in personal development. I think that's really important, especially for coaches, since so much of what we do is about developing the person. But professional development as a coach, are you, is the person you're considering actively taking steps to improve their coaching skill and their craft? Okay. Red flag is coaches who believe well-intentioned, I will say. All this is well-intentioned. Nobody here that these red flags are, are not about anybody looking to screw anybody over. These are just, I think, um, coming from a place of best intentions, but also a lot of naivete around what it means to be a coach. So coaches who believe, even though they're well-intentioned, that their lived experience is what qualifies them to be a coach. That's 
a very small part of it, but also that's what qualifies you to be a mentor, not a coach, is your lived experience. Coaches who parrot jargon, uh, specifically from the personal development space, including an overuse, and I see this all the time, an overuse of quotes from self-help books, all right? Like, that is not helpful, And a lot of what's in the personal development space, especially from the vast array of self-help books, can actually be harmful, if not individualized correctly, among your clients and their different intersections that they come to you with. And so coaches who don't acknowledge intersections, especially when it comes to things like mindset or nutrition or goal setting that don't take into account race and class and neurodiversity and misogyny and learning style and introversion versus extroversion. And the way I can speak to this most definitively is through being somebody with ADHD. A lot of the times that I have been coached around various things have not been helpful They've been too rigid or dogmatic or this way, or there's just been a general lack of understanding about how somebody with ADHD might show up in relationship to nutrition, goal setting, business, mindset, right? They're very specific things that are different. Poor communication. If somebody has poor communication, that is absolutely a red flag. Coaches should probably be some of the best communicators there are in the world, And if they don't take that seriously and they're not specifically working on improving their communication skills and the nuance in which they approach things, I would be alarmed. And that would be a red flag for me. So looking at their content, their tone, the bias, are they telling you, like, here's my bias? Like, you you can go back. There was an episode maybe in October where I'm talking with Stacey Harris about my decision to close the Bold Profit Academy. And I acknowledge that I have a bias around the fact that we are a dual income household, that I'm able to make more risky decisions than somebody who's a breadwinner or in a single income household because of that dynamic, because there is an intersection there that needs to be looked at and addressed, right? I acknowledge my bias when I see it and when I can and when it makes sense. The other thing would be they don't have a process. I hear from so many coaches them say, oh, well, you know, coaching is intuitive and I use my intuition and there's not a process. And yeah, it is is very intuitive and there is intuition that comes into play. But the very nature of coaching is a process in itself. That is the first thing they teach you in coach training is the process of coaching, of how you structure calls, of how you structure working with a client. So I would be really concerned if you were to ask them, what does your process look like? And they would either say, I don't have one or not be able to answer that question. And finally, I would say anybody giving advice or telling you what to do or is rigid in how they think about things would also be a red flag. So I am, because remember coaching, coaching is about the client having agency and autonomy and the coach asking questions that facilitate, not control, not dictate growth. Facilitate growth versus dictate growth, two different things. So we are at the end of this series. I hope that you enjoyed it. It was fun for me to do and go back and look at some of my own coach training and share some of that with you transparently as well as my philosophy. And I would love to hear from you. If you have any insights or things you want to share with me, 
please email me, not so much on social media these days, but please email me at support at theboldleadershiprevolution.com. And I'll catch up with you soon. Bye. If you've found this podcast valuable, help us develop more bold leaders in the world by sharing this episode with your friends, colleagues, and other bold leaders. Also, if you haven't done so already, please leave a review. I consider reviews like podcast currency, and it's the one thing you can do to help us out here at the Bold Leadership Revolution HQ. We would be so grateful for it. Special thanks goes to Stacey Harris from Uncommonly More, who is the producer and editor of this podcast. Go check them out for all your digital marketing and content creation needs. Be sure to tune into the next episode to help you embrace your ambition and leave the grind behind.